You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Welcome back to Faith and Fostering. It's great to have you with us again today. This is part two of a two-part episode. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, then I suggest you go back and have a listen to it as that's going to set you up for the discussion that's about to start. For those of you who have, let's launch in with part two of this interview. What an incredible story. It's such an impactful story. You were telling me this the other day, and I'm so impacted by that. And I think one of the things that, the key things that stood out for me, that you were only with that foster family for a short period of time. It was relatively short. I mean, I I think uh, my memory breaks down a little bit here. I mean, this is like 30 years ago. I think it was somewhere between six weeks to three months. And they could, they just, I immediately, I re-enroll, I, I, of my own volition, I sent them to go back to school. Yep. And uh, I found out there was such a thing as a Christian school. Yep. I says, can I enroll in Christian school? And they, I went down to the school and they were so convinced that I, I really want to do this because I felt Jesus wanted me to, to learn. Yep. That they gave me the scholarship. So, you know, <laughs> and so I, I, I mean, I, I, everything that has been going wrong, I was going to school you know, faithfully, I, I, I was away from the bad crowd. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't fighting. So they became convinced pretty quickly that they could place me back with my mom. Yeah. And now they, they stayed a part of my life after that. Wow. So uh, we lived in Hawaii for another, like a few, maybe another year after that. So you went on to another family after? No, no. We, uh, what I mean by that, so I went back. To my real mom. Okay. Yeah. But they were still a part of my still, life. And still connected. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, it, it wasn't just that they helped me. Again, they were they were so normal. They were not in any way superhuman or super yeah. holy. Yeah. They had all the same problems probably that people yeah. listening to our. Absolutely. Everybody, you know, yeah. Yeah. everybody who says I cannot make a difference in a foster child's life because my own life is such a mess. Yeah. Our own, you know, our, our house is such a mess. Our marriage is not what it should be. Yeah. We don't, we're not super Christians to be able to give them that way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they were just normal people. Not only did they help me, when I went back and was placed with my mom, they still saw me on a regular basis. Yeah. And he continued, the father, uh, Jerry, yeah. continued to be like a, a father role to me, father yeah. figure. Yeah. And then they got to know my mom. Yeah. And my mom started coming to church. Um, later on, my mom got baptized. Wow. She's kind of a renewed faith because she she'd grown up in a Lutheran home, but had yep. had kind of not been attending for many many years. Yep. Our whole our whole family was changed. Wow, through this and, one family. Yeah, through this one these yeah. normal people who were yep. just willing to say, "Okay, yes, God, you want us to help people. You want us to help. You know, we have a heart for at risk kids." Yeah. Um, wow. That was yeah. So I, like I said, the the. Well, yeah, the impactful thing with that, that relatively short period of time that you were there, yeah. uh, God worked through them to change your life indefinitely. There was that Kairos moment where your life was put on a different trajectory yeah. and then impacted your, your mum and your brother and yeah. that, that family unit. They also remained in the picture. You remain in the picture afterwards? To, yeah, you know, just to be a part of the world, which I think is such a great thing to do because often we kind of go, okay, you, sometimes you don't always know as a carer when a child leaves that uh, you can 
you know, you, you don't know where they go. But if, to be able to remain in their world is such a key thing and uh, in this circumstance to help as well is, uh, yeah. My, really, my really one good. regret is that, and I, I don't know, maybe they're listening. They, their names are Jerry and Debbie. Yeah. And my, my one regret is that not long after that, we decided to move back to Germany, which made a lot of sense for my mother because she had a large extended family network back home. And, you know, she'd grown up in Germany. That was her normal culture, her home culture. And um, so we moved back to Germany, and we, that's when I lost touch with Jerry and Debbie. Yeah, it's a long way from Hawaii. Yeah, a long way yeah. from Hawaii. Yeah. And, and more of the ways than one. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, so I, I, I regret losing touch with I, I hope, you know what, I, I really hope you're listening today. Well, if, yeah, maybe they are. If they're listening, they are. get in contact and we can, we can connect. That would, be, that would be cool. So that, that was, uh, obviously this was a key experience. How did it shape your faith? Obviously it, it, that was like that encounter happened there. And how did it shape your faith now as an adult, do you think? Oh, it, it massively, massively, because... You know, um, there's a way to tell the story where everything just seems so rosy. And uh, I guess, guess you know, the reason I'm agreed to do this podcast is I want to help people who might be somewhere in this sphere that I'm talking about. So I'm just going to be transparent. Like, I I did have some father issues. Uh, Not as much from, you know, not as much from my... uh, my my biological family, but but for my real family, yeah. my dad was a good man. He did the best he could, yeah. but he, you know he was not a man of faith, and he didn't have that those things that might have helped him to really open up. He came from a culture that was really not very expressive emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know he was a good provider, yeah. but growing up, I always I always kind of wondered. You know I knew I knew he was always be there. For, I knew I belonged. I never felt put the shame in such a way that I, I never felt like there was ever any risk of him saying, you're not my real son. Yeah. And I never felt like he wasn't my real dad. So that was really good. Absolutely. But he wasn't an emotionally expressive guy, yeah. like a lot of men of that generation. Yeah. He, he, I didn't get a lot of hugs. Yeah. I didn't get a lot of I love yous. In fact, I didn't get any. <laughs> we did, just didn't say it. Yeah. You yeah. proved it. You proved it by waking up and going to work every day yeah. and paying all the bills. Yeah. But I never got, I love yous, I never got hugs. And uh, so I, I, you know, I had some issues with, with father. And um, so it was a process after coming to, coming to Jesus. You know, I think I was one of those guys, I've, you know, I've, I've been to different conferences that would help me. Like, if you're from, maybe you've heard of the Father Heart Ministry. There's a lot of Father Heart Ministries out there nowadays. I think we've realized that there were some holes in our Western culture in this area, right? Just a few. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've heard it expressed by counselors. I'm, I'm counseling with somebody, and I've, I say, you, you really, you know, they'll say to the counselor, you really love Jesus, right? Yeah, I really do. He died for me. He loved me. Uh, and you like the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit comforts me and strengthens me. Uh, but you're not sure you like the Father, do you? <laughs> like, you kind of scared the Father. And that's kind of how it was with me. I, I was, I knew I was supposed to love the Father, yeah. but I was also somewhat terrified of the Father, yeah. and I and I, I didn't know that I pleased Him. And so it was a long process. After coming to faith, 
and after my real father had passed away, uh, my mother never remarried. You know, probably part of that was the pressure of her two boys who were always, we made it really hard if she tried to date anybody. We, we, we plotted against her like, nope, nobody's going to replace dad. Yeah, that's true. You know, we plotted, we, we, we would do everything we can to dissuade guys from dating her mom. And uh, so she finally gave up. <laughs> but but uh, um, what God did through the local church, uh, as we, I became a Christian and as we came into faith and the community of faith, I kept the bumping into people who filled that role, like like Jerry. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, Jerry was a big, strong, masculine dude. Yeah. Like I knew men were supposed to be. Yeah. But Jerry gave me hugs. You know? And uh, wow. when I when I miss when I misbehaved previously in, in my in my home of origin, you know, with my family of origin, I you know, you know how it was back in those days that you know I, I, as I, I was expecting a, maybe a, a, a blow, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, and uh, maybe even with the, even with the explanation, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's actually not true, it hurt me a lot more than you know? <laughs> but I was expecting a blow, I was expecting some sign of rejection, yeah. Yeah. and I can remember the first time after I'd become a Christian and really kind of had a meltdown as a young teenager and threw a fit and I can remember Jerry who was a big strong dude and I would have no chance against him if he decided to open up a can of whoop it on me right (laughs) but he just put his big strong arms around me he was a strong guy and I couldn't get away and he held me close and he said calm down Mike you're safe here you're loved here and wow, I never heard that message before. It was so cool. And, and so, you know, we lost track of Deb and Jerry. And I, I really regret that now. Yeah. But, um, you know, I went on like a lot of young people. I, I went on to get a, a job, like, you know, during my, my summer days. And it always, I, I would always gravitate to trying to get a job with somebody who maybe I was, I had friends and youth group at church and their dad was a tradie. Like you see in Australia, we call them construction guys. So I'd get a job helping. I always wanted to be around. I wanted to be around men. Because dad was, I wanted to be around manly men. Yeah, like most boys wanted to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who could teach me how to swing a hammer. And, (laughs) and, you know, they, uh, they, they, every one of them impacted my life in a different way. And supplied something that was missing. You know, I I mean, I'll even remember when I was a, a teenager and, I began to get interested in girls like most boys will eventually. You know, when you're when you're nine, they're gross and disgusting, right? <laughs> but when you're 13, they're pretty yeah. they're pretty interesting. <laughs> and he just noticed, that, you know, and I played with his boys, and I I think probably uh, you know I like I said, you don't get you don't become a holy person overnight. I knew a lot of dirty jokes <laughs> from back in the day, and the kind of friends they used to, and I he probably overheard me talking to his boys. And, you know, he could have been super religious about it. And he could have been, how could your, how can your worldly son, you know, corrupt my godly boys? Yeah. We raised in the right way and you're not allowed to play with my kids anymore. But instead, you know what he did? He went to my mom and he said, hey, has anybody talked to Mike about the birds and the bees? You know, and well, there's really nobody to do that. You know, moms are like, I didn't know this is the time to talk to Mike about that. You know, is, he, is there, are we at that point now? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. 
And he goes, yeah, I really think somebody needs to explain some of this stuff to him. Yeah. And so he, he, took, that, yeah. he took that upon himself, yeah. knowing I didn't have a dad. Yeah. You know, he had three sons of his own. So he knew boys. Yeah, yeah. Three teenage boys. Was, he knew boys. Yeah. And, you know, here we are living in Hawaii. He said, hey, you want to, so I think I was working for him, yeah. you know, doing some construction work on, yeah. on, on my, this is on my this summer holiday. Yeah. And he took me, hey, let's go have lunch here, just you and me. We took our sack lunches and left the construction site. He took me to a nice beach. We sat yeah. down on the beach. Yeah. And he said, Mike, has anybody explain, ever explained to you the birds and the bees? <laughs> you know, you get, your face gets really <laughs> red. And you, you look down at your feet and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I was so interested. Yeah. And he just explained some yeah. things to me yeah. and told me why we shouldn't tell dirty jokes and told me how we should honor women as their sister and told me how the world is trying to get you to pursue these relationships in this ungodly way that will do massive damage, but God has the holy plan for you. Yeah. And what an impact. It is. So this was something that I was going to ask you about yeah. the when we talked a little bit about this the other day, about the importance of, of fathers. Yeah. Obviously, and mothers are important too, and we're not, sure. not minimizing that, sure. but... Uh, there is, at least in our country, and I think around the world, an epidemic of fatherlessness, and we've kind of been touching on that a little bit. Um, so that that role that that Jerry took upon himself. This, this well, Jerry was the first foster, was a foster father who we lost touch with. Yep. The guy I'm talking about now, I'll, I'll go ahead and say his name. His name was Mark, yep. and he was a tradie. He was another yeah, tradie. Tradie as well. I yeah. became friends with him because I was going to church and youth group with his son, yeah. Jacob. So this is the extended yeah. family. We're yeah. talking, or the church family we're talking about. The church about. family. The extended yeah. church family. Yeah. So they, yeah. there's people that have seen that role instead because you probably didn't go and ask them, hey, can you... No, can you you do, don't, can you're you not going to do that. <laughs> no, because no, what teenage boys... Can, what, well, which anyone's going to sure. do that. Sure, yeah. But they saw that and do that. So... Uh, as an encouragement to others out there to see that to step into that role is it's such an important thing for for teenage boys as it is for mums for girls and for sons as well and for daughters but particularly as dads in, uh, you know in your case you, you lost your father he yeah. died but often fathers are the ones to leave yeah. or they're the perpetrators of violence in their home and abuse um, so to have these guys step yeah. into the Jerry and Mark step into that role is yeah. so key and such well, Jerry and Mark, you know, this is God's amazing hand. Yeah. It was Jerry and Mark, but it was it was it was continual. Like the, from all throughout my high school years and even into my college years, God always had somebody who would kind of play a father role yeah. and would give me fatherly advice. You know, um, Jerry really explained things well, and I I came from a background where the. A, you know, if you say, well, did you know about the birds and bees? All I knew is what they told us at school. Yeah. Which is... Not much. Yeah. Here's how you use a condom. Yeah. Don't get anybody pregnant. Don't get an STD. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he made an impact on me yeah. when he talked to me about honoring women. Yeah. The way you treat women. I think that's a key thing today because yeah. a lot of fathers don't... And these boys are seeing these yeah. dads who are the abusive ones and sure. they want us to leave and the, the cycle gets repeated. Yeah. To have that is and I, so you know, I made a, I made a commitment... At the, at, it might not have been right at that moment, but later on when I was old enough and I had started dating, yeah. it was, a nat I mean, because I'd had that background explained to me, I didn't, you know, I, I, just that one conversation even, that was enough of a nudge. And then the Holy Spirit working inside of me, I made a commitment uh, to wait for marriage. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I did not kiss anyone until I kissed my wife. Yeah. You know, and... and 
when I look at the circumstances of how I grew up, and that shouldn't have been that way. <laughs> I should have been one of those guys getting a lot of trouble in that area. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up uh, easy access to pornography. You know, all that kind of stuff yeah. that happens when you're growing up in a non-Christian environment, non-Christian home, yeah. and uh, with a lot of friends around me who really damage themselves in that area but these few conversations of these men who just kind of thought you know Mike he needs a little fatherly attention and for them to take that initiative you know I, I somehow I today I have a healthy marriage and I'm a daddy you know and I've got three beautiful children I got two a four-year-old a four-year-old daughter a six-year-old daughter well she, she's about to be six years old and now a, a beautiful seven-month-old son and uh, all those years ago, these guys from the church who just took a little extra time for me, you know, yep. they already had their own deal going on. You know, Mark had three boys. He was, his hands were full. But he says, I guess I could talk to one more. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so cool to do. So yeah. as an encouragement to other dads who yeah. might be listening to this is to, yeah, to step up. Yeah. Step into that role. Listen to God's leading maybe in that area. And if you're in the world of another young fellow that needs that, step in. Yeah. Well, and, and definitely if, if there's so much opportunity, if you are cooperating and working in the foster system and trying to, to have a Christ-like influence and, and, uh, or, or, or through adoption, there's so much opportunity for that. But you don't even have to go that far. Even if it's just keep your eyes open. For, for, you know, the kids who wander in and out of your church because of youth group, you know, a lot of them, they just need an encouraging word. They just need a hug, yeah. need a helping hand. Yeah. Yeah. Massive influence. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, just as we, as we wrap up, it's been so great to hear your story. So thank you for sharing that. And, uh, and that'll be, that will be, I know it will be massively encouragement to others as we talk about these carers in your world and have influenced you, have been these ordinary people who have been obedient to God's, God's call on their life and who have lived out their faith and haven't done any more. They haven't done all these programs or PhDs and anything. They just were ordinary people, tradies and blue-collar workers. They said, yep, we're going to put our hand up to care for this, this young fellow and probably others through their home. Um, so I hope that's an encouragement to others, and I know it will be. Is there one final encouragement that you could offer for for any carers, foster carers, people who are looking to adopt out there? You know, again, there's there's a way to talk about my story where it could, it could just seem like, wow, everything turned out great. It, there was a lot of struggle along the yeah. way. Yeah. And it's, it's not all going to be a bed of roses, but, you know, having a normal biological family isn't a bed of roses either. Yeah. And... Um, if the Holy Spirit works on, on your heart to share the Father's love in this way, to step in either as an adoptive parent, you know, you've got to realize too, America, you know, this abortion was a very present reality. That could have been a very easy option for my, and there's probably no doctor that would have said, oh, Let's not help this poor little girl with an abortion, yeah. right? So, I mean, not only did it save my spiritual life, it probably saved my, my physical life that somebody was willing to step in and say, we'll adopt them, you know? Yeah. So if, if the Lord moves on your heart 
to share the love of the Father by just stepping in and being willing to give a little bit more than you're given already and, and, and say, we want to share a parent's love with an at-risk youth, either through adoption. We've talked about three things just on this podcast, right? Adoption, foster care, or by just being another loving voice at church to a youth who needs some direction. I want to encourage you that if the Holy Spirit is nudging your heart in the direction, he who began a good work in you will bring it to fruition and completion. He has the resources to fill your heart with the strength and the love to finish the job, to finish what you started. I think that's the fear. The fear is, I'd like to adopt a child. I'd like to, I'd like to um, get involved in the foster system, but man, I'm probably gonna open up a big can of worms and I won't be able to finish where I started. Uh, well, my life has been full of people who didn't listen to that voice and God worked to them supernaturally and gave them what they needed to bring about the changes in my life that are why I'm here today. You know, and I'm, I'm here a dad, I'm, I'm a businessman. I mean, we, have, we didn't really talk about, yeah. but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a businessman. I'm able to care for my family, provide for my family. God has blessed my business so we can, we can also, we have a little bit of surplus, we can bless others and bless people in the mission field. But I, I'm also a lay missionary and my, 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 our dedication is to discipling people. We're disciple makers and, and raising up other disciple makers and making resources available, networks available to empower disciple makers. And, and so other lives are being touched. And if you trace back the genealogy, the generations of that, it goes back to a, a heavy equipment operator named Jerry and a secretary, you know, yeah. named uh, 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 Debbie, Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. for my spiritual life and for my physical life. It goes back to a Hawaiian named Yosh and a, and a German immigrant yeah. named Hilda yeah. who just said, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have faith that I'll be able to to supply what one young heart needs. Wow. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. So good to hear your story, as I've already said, and the impact, again, of that couple of people, key life, that have now changed your life, that's going to impact you, impact your family. Your kids are going to grow up knowing that cycles have changed for the better. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, brother. I, I really appreciate it, and I'm, yeah, I, I just, I really hope that I can encourage some people who are in this space. Yep. And uh, maybe there's some people out there who really feel like uh, maybe you're really going through a tough one. Yeah. I'm sure I was a tough one at times. I don't look back at <laughs> that way because everything seemed better and better after I met Jesus. But yeah. I'm sure the people around me were yep. wondering. Yeah. And you might be thinking that's a tough one, but just hang no. in there because yep. you have no idea what God's going to do with that Absolutely. love that you share with that young Absolutely. person. Absolutely. The same thing. Awesome. So thank you. So in the meantime, everyone, remember that every child deserves a family. <laughs> <laughs>